Hello, and welcome to Industry Elites. On this podcast, Industry Elite's very own Natalie and Vicky are going to be interviewing business owners and individuals who have made their mark in their respective industries. Danny Bibby's goals is to help clients grow their customer base through offering customized online advertising campaigns. Ad Media has about 150 sites within their network that they own and operate, as well as being the creator of more than 40 different traffic products, including Contextual.com and Intextual.com. The company goal is to help clients get excellent ROIs without using Facebook or Google. They innovate using AI and machine learning to reach target audiences and get more from every advertisement. episode of industry elites we have founder and president of ad media danny baby returning to the podcast today danny how are you doing doing well thanks for having me thanks for coming on so as we have previously chatted we really got to know a, a whole background about yourself and how you ended up to where you are and how you've achieved the certain success that you have achieved which is quite a lot but we really wanted to bring some challenges to the table and try to have you debunk some of these marketing strategy myths and really just get your expert opinion on these as someone who's been in the industry for quite some time. Sounds good. Okay. So first one is should small bit or sorry, I said that completely wrong. (laughs) Um, Small businesses shouldn't waste their time or money on marketing. True or false. And how do you feel about that statement? Uh, I think 100% false. <laughs> I, yeah. yeah. I figured that was an easy one, but hey, it was out there. We got to yeah. debunk it. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you never know, right? Fair bad. enough. Because I feel like it's one of those things where the average business understands that they need it, but I feel like you still have this kind of like mentality of, well, my business is running fine. I don't need this. Um, which I personally find is kind of a weird mentality because wouldn't you want to, for lack of a better word, want to be greedy and get more money? from? <laughs> yeah, um, I do find that kind of a thing, especially someone that um, is in the marketing space and has like freelance for myself before. It's a weird attitude that kind of people come across. Have you found that and maybe um, kind of having some clients where you've pitched an idea and they're like, no. We don't need that. Is that a thing that you've come across or an attitude? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, from my perspective, it's really, um, you know, from a high level, it's really the audience piece aligned to it, whether it's a small business or an enterprise level business. It's all it's all about really targeting the right audience piece, um, looking at who your clients are, what the demographic is, who the ideal client is for that particular product or service, and really honing in on that and leveraging a lot of the first first-party data that you have or access to first-party data targeting that you have off uh, various other uh, platforms like ad media to be able to reach that core audience. I think if you're just running um, ads for the, for the sake of running ads, it's not really going to work. Um, and I think that's where the frustration lies with a lot of the various smaller businesses or even enterprise-level brands is they, they think they have a great product, they have a great message, uh, but they're targeting the wrong people, right? So they're they're burning a lot of ad dollars. They're looking at it from a service uh, service level and really uh, to the you know marketing it to the masses. Um, and I would say that's probably why it's not successful nine times out of ten. Uh, even when they're doing um, you know targeting local local areas or local service providers. 
definitely true, I feel like, about the audience thing. But I feel like there's also something to be said when, like, small businesses hear marketing because sometimes they feel like marketing always comes at like a big cost as well it's hard when you don't have that background I feel like as well that they just make those assumptions and hereby we get people who like put these myths out there about marketing and be like well I don't really need it because I don't have the money to spend on it nor the budget who knows when things are going to pop up and things are going to change your circumstances completely, i.e. literally a whole coronavirus. I'm sure so many people who didn't have that really had to learn to adapt and put a bit of money in, but maybe like they realize, oh, hey, this actually isn't that that scary or that costly to get a return. Agreed. Yeah, that definitely uh, took a major hit. And a lot of those folks uh, could never come back from it, right? Most we know We all know a lot of businesses that went under uh, because they didn't have the various the other channels and strategy for digital to, to be able to compensate for the loss of the traditional revenue that was generated off of traditional marketing. Definitely. It's really changed a lot just across everything, um, especially with COVID. Like, I feel like there's a lot of things that have changed for the better and will most likely stick going forward, but definitely has hindered some industries. Um, so this was our example earlier, but I'm still going to say it. Um, do you think snail mail or direct mail is a thing of the past or do you think it's still relevant in today's marketing industry? Um, I think it's still relevant as long as it's, you know, being used in conjunction with the audience piece. So, uh, for example, with a lot of the clients that we work with, um, we, we manage our first party data on the 230 million users. So we are able to align that to their first party data. Um, the concept around it is, we're running uh, digital campaigns. Um, folks are going to sites, signing up for leads, signing up for products, uh, and then we're aligning that to a profile ID. And based off of that profile ID, we we know the address, we know the profile makeup of that user, and so we can we can run um, you know direct mail in conjunction with that. Uh, and so as long as you're doing it from an audience targeting standpoint with first party data, then it's very effective because it's just, it's the user who visited the website who is interested in the service and then all of a sudden receives a direct mail piece with a coupon code or an offer in the mail. And then it, it pushes them to go back online and, and complete the full transaction. Uh, whereas, um, you know, from standard blanket blasts of direct mail across multiple segments of users, it's probably not effective. It's, it's a waste of uh, waste of money, but if you're doing it on an audience piece, um, you know, you have to look at it more of like a remarketing, process or, or a retargeting process where you're remarketing users who've already visited or already interested in the service uh, to, com- to convert them. And if you just have direct mail as an extension to that, then it's very, very uh, effective. So here's another one that we have, um, a myth to debunk, but are marketing goals something that can be achieved by anyone? So if there's marketing goals out there. Can someone be like, yep, I can get it done. I can achieve it. No worries. Or do you think that's a myth? I would say that's that's true um, at a smaller scale. Um, so if you're looking at it, if you're looking for um, an ROI and an overall volume lift at a smaller scale, uh, but in terms of scalability and trying to grow the business, um, you definitely would need the expertise to help facilitate that growth because there are a lot of various anomalies and data and deployment of ads across any channel uh, where the expertise is really going to be helpful. Um, you know, so that's why agencies exist and that's why digital marketing ad tech companies exist because there is that expertise that comes along with it. 
that helps uh, scale the business as a whole. But if it's a small, you know, sole proprietor who's looking to run an ad, uh, they can they can do well at a very small scale. Um, so generate some type of ROI, but it's not really going to be scalable. Do you think just posting um, Facebook ads or Instagram ads or just social media ads in general is a viable marketing plan just as is? Or do you feel like it needs to be a, f- a multifaceted approach? Definitely multifaceted. So, um, you know, that's the number one thing we do is really it's an omni-channel offering. So really going into social media channels, search, display, video, email, overlay ads, connect to TV, uh, and even direct mail and really doing an encompassing um, omni-channel approach on a user profile level. So really understanding who, who the user is, what the service is, what you're looking to sell, uh, what, the, you know, what kind of KPIs you've had in the past, and then looking at it from a holistic view across multiple channels in order to achieve that, uh, as opposed to just saying, I'm going to run an Instagram ad and hopefully, you know, I'll, I'll generate a sale or I'll get a click through or a Facebook ad. That's really not going to work uh, in today's landscape, especially with the high cost uh, where uh, and uh, the, tra- the not having the transparency, obviously being in a closed environment like Facebook, um, you don't have access to the data that you need to and, and you can't really do you can't really reach the user across multiple channels uh, and the, the cost doesn't really back out for, for what you're spending. It's more of like, again, just doing it from small scale. But if you're looking to really scale the business, you have to do it based off an omni-channel approach in order for it to work. So understanding that everyone's budgets are different and uh, for their spend marketing plan, just kind of overall, what would you say percentage-wise that you would expect to be an appropriate ROI on these marketing spends? Our goal is really to to outperform Google. <clears throat> so the way we look at it is if we're looking at it from a profile audience piece, we look at uh, what's historically run or what's run a bit, what's been running on a Google non-brand campaign or a Facebook campaign, uh, and then have uh, double-digit return. So if it's a you know roll ads of a four to one, we come back at an eight to one. Um, <clears throat> really looking at it from that perspective uh, to to outperform Google or Facebook. That's really the goal, and it's very easy and achievable if you have the audience piece and you're not uh, blindly buying ads across multiple uh, users at a higher rate, but really looking at it from a uh, cost-effective buy standpoint and an audience piece. And that's how you're able to really outperform a Google or or, a, or Bing for sure, but Google and, and Facebook, I would say. Could you give any, I know, high-level advice uh, for anyone who's trying to get into Google AdWords? Um, just kind of for their keywords, because I know myself when I first started getting into SEO, oh God, probably like, seven years ago maybe even more it was kind of like how do I do this like it's a t-shirt company so is my AdWords just t-shirts which we know you would never break into that space for a high level of are is there any kind of uh high level advice that you could give to people that are trying to develop these keywords themselves yeah I would I would say <clears throat> the first step would be just you know Sign up for uh, a few different services like a, like an SCM Rush or SpyFu. Um, figure out who your competitors are in the space. Run queries against their domains and ads they're buying. Uh, figure out what keywords they're purchasing on um, that are converting for them, and you can get all the data through programs like that. And essentially leverage the that piece of data to build out your campaigns if it's a similar product. 
uh, that's going to help, um, you know, make sure that you're on the right kind of path. Uh, if it's something that you're just starting out with, there's no historical data, you have no trends, you have nothing to really gauge anything against. So the only thing you can gauge against is your current <coughs> competition. Uh, so not really just not a really a conquesting strategy, but more of what's been working and what is the what is the competitors, um, you know, strategy, what keywords have they been buying on that's very similar to my product or service. Uh, and you want to replicate that. That that would be the first step. And then once you actually go live with a small amount of volume, you can you can gauge the data and performance. And then it's really just an analytical uh, exercise of really understanding what uh, what's working, what's not working, and and going through the optimization tactics, which require you know research, time, and and kind of training. But um, you have to roll up your sleeves and do that. But I would th- say the first step is really doing uh, research. Uh, against your competitors and understanding what keywords they're buying on. Don't just blindly, you know, make an ad and run it, um, hoping that it's going to work uh, based off what keywords that the uh, that the ad centers are suggesting you buy. What would you say to those who believe that when you're participating in marketing, that that will attribute to quick results? I think that's true um, in the sense of if you have the right targeting and the right con- setup from the from the um, beginning, so if you have that historical uh, data, or if you have if you know what keywords you should be buying on, and you're replicating uh, what's what's currently working for a different competitor, then that is true. But even given that, it really takes um, time to build the audience piece and build historical data, um, and then from there do the optimization. So tactically, it's really. Uh, the audience piece is really critical, but the first step is really the keyword piece. But it's not going to be an immediate return once you scale. I think if you buy the right, purchase the right keywords at the right rates, you can you can generate some decent ROI and you'll see immediate return. Uh, but if you're looking to scale, you have to continuously continue to optimize on an audience piece for sure. I'm assuming when you're spending the, when you're spending money on ads, and obviously you're not seeing that return, that could bring a certain level of frustration. But as you're saying, kind of could take that time to build up to where you need to be. But that being said, when is it too long without attributing results to that? That people should be like, okay, like either rethink the plan or whatever company they're with. Hey, maybe they're not providing you what you need because you're not seeing those results yet. Like, what's the timeline there? I would say I would say three business days max. I know some okay. people like to run, you know, 90 days and burn a bunch of money t- doing testing. But if you're really on top of it and you're looking at the data daily, you should be able to see a return within three business days. If it's not working, then either you have the wrong keywords, you have the wrong product, or you just have the wrong audience targeting. Uh, and so those are the three things you have to look at on an, on an ongoing basis. But yeah, I would say a three-day three, three day kind of rolling average in order to, to optimize it. If you know what you're doing, you can probably get it done in two days. Um, if you're going with like a marketing firm and others, they, they try to buy you, you know, sell you the concept of like, you're going for like 90 day kind of tests and we're learning or whatever it is. But I think you can probably achieve it, achieve a, a positive ROI results within three days. If you can't, then there's definitely some major issue that you need to look at. So going kind of back to the, you know, stereotypical person, no, I don't need marketing. Um, true or false. Having high-level quality products and services should sell themselves. I think if it's marketed the right way, yeah, <laughs> right. It, it could be it could be a great highly quality, could be a quality product or service if it's not you know branded uh, the right way or marketed the right way. It really comes down to the call um, call to action, right? 
So you can have a really amazing product with no call to action. Uh, the user, you know, hits the page, hits the site, is reviewing the content, reviewing the, the product. Uh, it looks okay. It looks good. They have no idea if it's a great product or not a great product or service, but there's no call to action. Uh, and the marketing message for that call to action is not there. And so you're not going to sell. But if you have uh, a, a you know, substandard product, which is marketed the right way, it'll, it'll sell a lot more uh, because the call to action is there and it's the right messaging. So on that note, we have all seen the weird kind of TikTok products or the weird ad products in general. And I always think of, they're always something so random. Like it'll be, I don't know, a water bottle. And it'll be like, this is the most newfangled water bottle on the planet because it has a pop lid for some reason. Like, you know, these weird products. Do you think these people are like actually making money off these like TikTok ads? Or do you think they're just purely going over that spontaneous buyer instead? I think I think uh, with those type of like niche, um, you know, I call them like one one cell kind of offer uh, type of products where you know they, there's a kind of a tweak to a product made and they push it out and they just try to push as many units as, as possible out. It's more of just um, you know I think they are generating generating money off of those uh, off of the sell of sales of the product, but obviously the idea here is it's not really a longevity play. It's more of you know, build one product, push it out, try to try to sell it, build another product, push it out, try to sell it and leverage whatever you can within TikTok uh, to to uh, reach the right user um, by doing more of a more of a viral type of play where, you know, it's something that might be interesting to someone. So they might forward it to, to their friend or it's a situation where it goes. Uh, the optimization is there and they can reach the right person based on the audience targeting again within TikTok to try to sell that product. But it's not a long-term play, right? Try to sell as many of those products as possible and then move on to the next, to, to, to build a new product, another product and do the same thing. So that's kind of what that whole uh, model is about with the, with the niche products that are being pushed. But would you say that there's some industries where social media marketing isn't transferable? I think there definitely is. You know, I think the idea around, uh, you know, for example, banking clients um, and a lot of other clients that we have where there's a lot of restrictions, um, there's there's rules of engagement there. And there's it's really hard to to really push across social media channels, um, you know, especially from an exchange standpoint. So it just really depends on the client. But I would say specific verticals, there is definitely a barrier entry uh, just because of rules and regulations, I would say. You know, one thing that I find too, and especially when you go, I recently was in a city and I moved to a small town. And when you get to the small town, nobody's online. The hair salons in town don't even have a web page is just completely no out of the question. Booking? No, that is the worst. I don't actually want to talk to a human, but <laughs> they don't even have Facebook or they're not even on Google My Business, which baffles me because I was under the impression that most things automatically had that created. Would you consider that to be um, a hindrance or do you think on a small scale you could still make it if you were in a small town like that? Um, I think I think it's it's a hindrance because um, you know if there are folks that are going through that town and they can't find you um, by doing a quick search or trying to trying to look for a product or service that you're selling, then you're missing out on business. Because even though you're in a small town, there are 
travelers and people that travel through that small town. And if they, if you're not listed and they can't find you anywhere, it's going to be really difficult to, uh, to, um, you know, to sell to those people. So I'm sure these small towns definitely don't, if they're not having anything online, they definitely won't be worrying about this. So more so for, uh, targeted audience who have cell phones, but for mobile, that is it true or false that it doesn't drive conversion? I would say it's it's false. I mean, I feel like that, that there's definitely conversions to be had on any level, even if it's a small town or a small a retailer or a merchant. Um, there's still opportunity to sell at a lot at a larger scale by being online. I would say I'm always more inclined to buy something when I can quickly go on my phone and then just like purchase it or quickly go look something up versus like, oh shoot, I can't do the purchase on here. There's an issue with like the mobile. Like, let me go on my laptop. If I have to go through that much work. I feel like in most cases I wouldn't even purchase the product or I wouldn't even like remember to go back because then you just kind of lost me as a customer and I went on to do something else. So it's crazy how like you wouldn't you wouldn't think that that's a hindrance maybe from like a general standpoint when you're actually utilizing the product more than you realize. You're like, oh, yeah, I I don't even want to go to my laptop right now if it doesn't work on here. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. I was going to say side note on that. I uh, I was trying to go on a government website last night on my phone and it was not loading on my phone because it wasn't even created for mobile. It just had the old school, like you get the actual Zoom desktop in. version on your phone. Yeah. And I was like, come on, ca- Canadian government, like get it together. <laughs> you have so much <laughs> money and you can't make it mobile. Like, are you serious? And that was the same thing too. I was like, do I want to get up and go to the next room just to get my laptop? Not really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so kind of segueing with that, mobile versus um, desktop, true or false, with all the changes going through Google, through paid advertising, through their weird new SEO changes, would you consider SEO as what we knew it to be, to be dead? Uh, I think it's ever it's consistently evolving. So I think the idea with SEO is you have to stay on top of the changes, um, you know, it started out obviously with doorway pages and, you know, 15, 20 years ago, and it's evolved consistent, you know, it's come a long way and it's constantly being changed. And, you know, I think, I feel like it's just going to continuously get changed based off of voice recognition, um, and image recognition. Um, uh, that's going to be really part of the new SEO, uh, as opposed to like, you know, what has been done in the past was just, you know, tagging and content and, relevancy and page rank so a lot of that uh, link building stuff it, it will go away over time it's not going to be there um, i think it's there's still some value to it from a lot of these seo firms but i think from an algo perspective and from voice recognition and image recognition that's going to definitely take uh take precedence over um whatever seo firms are currently doing right now to help optimize placement for various keywords so just to kind of hinder or get through we've gotten snail mail we've gone through ads um would you consider email marketing like e-blasts and newsletters to be spammy and useless true or false false i think uh it's it's really it's really based off uh the way you do it and the call to action again going back to the to the audience piece if you have um you know if you have the right audience if you have like for example with us we have profile these on users so it's omni-channel uh, which includes email, so we're able to really target on a on um, on a user audience specific level uh, based on email addresses across multiple hash files. Um, so if you're targeting the right user, 
emails are really super effective. Um, but if you're just looking to just do a shotgun approach and blast, uh, then um, it's probably not going to work. You might get a small return or at least break even. But if you're looking to really um, crush it and have the ROI, uh, you definitely have that have that audience piece, uh, even within an email campaign. Fair enough. Yeah, I feel like the line in between spam and useful is kind of gray, a little murky. I know myself, I sign up for everything and I have an email specifically just to sign up. So, I mean, if I look at, I'm one of those iPhone people where if you check my <laughs> little icon on my phone, I have 5,400 unread emails that I guarantee you are all product <laughs> emails. Um, so what is one thing that somebody could do in that space to stand out? Because for me, it's anywhere from Zara to Crunchyroll, the bank, McDonald's. How could you set yourself apart when your inbox looks like mine? I think, uh, again, really understanding the user, uh, who your t core target audience is. Um, so, you know, looking at historic, if you're, if you've been in business for, for a while and you have historical data on your clients and customers, then you can, um, target the message to to uh, really focus in on those types of users. Um, so the call to action, uh, aligning to the demographic type um, of, of uh, past and current clients that you're servicing, uh, that's really the key as opposed to just having a, a broad message. Um, so I think, you know, really understanding the core, the core demo is, is, is the key. So, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of, uh, you know, examples of that, right? So there's a lot of sites out there. For example, you would think um, on certain specific sites, you would think it's females, a certain age that are purchasing it, but it's really the males that are purchasing it for the females from different age brackets. Um, so you just have to know your, your core audience. Who are, who are the buyers, right? So that's the key. Who are the, who are the buyers of the service? Um, you can't, just, you can't uh, just do a guess and hope that it works, but really understanding the data and looking at the data and leveraging that prior to running the campaign and building the messaging around that is key. Fair enough. Well, that comes to the end of our true or false list. Um, is there anything that you found throughout your career that you'd want to add to the list before we close out? Um, no, I think you guys covered uh, covered it. Fair enough. Okay. Well, thank you yet again for coming on our podcast today. Um, and I do apologize for our technical difficulties. The weather has really picked up here for us. But thank you for coming on. Thank you.